0: You know, we learned a long time ago, you you know, that that you kind of have to be at the studio. You know, inspiration may or may not strike, but if it strikes and you're, you know, somewhere else, then it's gone. (laughs) Um, Here I am. Make the commitment to be there and make yourself available to it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: really weird because I'm not really
2: speaking to you in front of me but I have to think of you in front of me because if I don't then I won't be able
0: to speak to you. How you (laughs) doing? Waiting for inspiration to strike and ready to grab it when it does.
2: Allow me to, to set the scene here. I'm, I am uh, just pulling away uh, uh, off my street where I was parked. Uh, I am heading up to Whole Foods. Just got out of Jeet Kundo class. class. You don't know what that is. It's the martial arts form that Bruce Lee invented after, you know, he grew up doing more traditional Kung Fu. Uh, Wu, uh, uh, Wu, Wu, not Wu-Tang. Wu, uh, Wing Chun. And, and uh, this is a, a kung fu, uh, I mean, this is a martial art that he created uh, later in his life. Uh, you know, it's, it, it literally translates to like uh, d- discipline of the intercepting fist or something. The idea is that you don't really um, block exactly, but more um, counterattack kind of thing. Okay, well, I'm not that advanced in it, I'm just kind of um, new to it, but um, I. I, I I enjoy it, and it wears me the hell out, and I don't have any food in my house, so I have to head to Whole Foods now, and I, on my mind is those uh, roasted Amish chickens that they have all hot and ready to go, uh, as opposed to your mother, who's also hot and ready to go, but uh, it's a different kind of hot and ready that the Amish chickens are. So that's, what I'm think- that's what's in my mind, is just this, like, bites of protein. Because I haven't really been eating much today, because there's nothing in the house. And I've been working my tuchis off. Uh, I'm in my mode. I'm definitely in my mode. Definitely in my zone. Don't let me get in that. And I'm there. Uh, I'm, I'm working on several things at once. Uh, new songs, writing new songs. Working on them with, with uh, the fellows, with Josiah and Doug. And also, right now, I am hard at work. This is sort of the main thing I'm trying to wrap up is this covers album that I'm doing. I've I've kind of dabbled in in recording cover songs over the last several years. So this is kind of like I'm trying to wrap that up finally uh, into a, uh, a tape that I can sell on this Florida tour, ladies and gentlemen... If you live in Atlanta or in Florida, you got to come see me solo in mid-December. December 16th, Atlanta. December 17th is Pensacola. December 18th is Jacksonville. December 19th, Orlando. December 20th is Tampa. So come and see me. I am playing with Astronautilus and Bluebird. Three rap acts creative rap acts, um, all very different, so come and check us out, and you can come and and, uh, speak to us at merch and stuff, it's it's a very user-friendly, chill atmosphere, vibey kind of situation, that's my English rapper style, Um, yes, so I'm doing very well, the, the new Taylor Swift, if some of you caught my, my tweet uh, a couple days ago, is is good. But you know what? I have not... I cannot bring myself to purchase the album. She won't put it on Spotify or on what I'm on, RDIO, uh, as the streaming services. She won't put it on those things. Uh, it's weird. I'm of several minds. I'm of several minds. I am the... In, in one sense... Um, I feel like, yeah, you know what? She's in the right. You know, she's she's saying, well, she has all this power, and she can say then, fuck you. If you want to hear my shit, you got to buy it, you know? Although she does it in a weird way. I think she's like, you have to exclusively purchase it from Target or iTunes or something like that, which that's a little funny. Kickbacks, all that shit. Who am I to judge, right? So in one sense, I feel like, yeah, like... It, we don't make money off of music anymore. You know, no one in the industry really... Now, she still does. We don't. Us underlings. Maybe she's doing that for us, is she? No, I don't think so. But another part of me feels like... You know what? Like, yeah, it, it is... It, it There's just something like... I don't know. I, I It feels gross buying a... Um, something that's that huge. It goes back to my punk sensibilities or something like... How can I give money to some to people that don't need the money at all? If that makes any sense. And she's got like 10 houses. How do I know that? Because I watched an interview on YouTube. So I can't bring myself to buy it. Even though it's fucking dope. Like every song I've heard. Which I've heard probably 5 or 6 songs. I really like it. On another note. On a totally different other note. I've got John Curley on the podcast today from Afghan Wigs. Now, those of you who don't know who Afghan Wigs are, um, you know, you're probably youngsters because their, their heyday was sort of mid-90s. My generation. Now, I wasn't into that kind of music at that time. So I didn't really know about them. No, I did know about them. I did not really listen to them. My friend R.J. McConnie, who is a, a wandering wolf alum, he was big into Afghan wigs, and you know they were played on on radio a lot here because they're from Cincinnati. Um, but they were also played on radio everywhere. They they were a big indie rock band in the mid '90s. That was not my style back then. I since got into that kind of music in the early 2000s, and uh, you know have have brushed up on my Afghan wigs. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a hip band. It's a hip band, and they, they've recently come back into the fray. They, joined, they rejoined together and toured again starting in 2012, and then recently wrote and recorded a new album, and it just came out in April. And I, I, the songs that are on here are from that. Um, but I've known Curly... We met Curly through our, our old bass player Austin Brown. I, I, I don't know there's nothing else to really talk about here uh, that we don't talk about in the episode. It's a good episode uh, for musician people uh, to listen to for sure. What else is up with me? I don't know you know I get I, I go it's I have weird cycles that, that cycle through fast I get I'll be very satisfied with my life and feeling great. And, uh, like, you know, like, I can do this, I can continue on, I, I, I'm satisfied, and then I'll go through periods where I'm really lonely, and, and I'll just sit and be, like, staring at different things on my phone, uh, social medias and things, and whatever, just hoping that, you know, so, oh, oh, looking at girls on the internet or something like that, um, as sad as that sounds, uh, you know, and then, I I don't know, something clicks again and I'm back in and I'm in my mode again. Maybe that's just normal. I'm sorry for all the noise right now. It's it's rainy and I'm driving and I have a stick shift and it's a little bit of a... uh, That kind of thing. But anyway, enough about me. I I think we should just go right into this conversation uh, because there's a lot to be learned from it. So let's get into this talk with john John Curley.
0: okay did you just get back from from tour or something i just got back okay okay The, the majority of it is uh is over we still have a european tour for february so you did
2: you did like the reunion shit and then recorded an album
0: and now you're doing you're touring for that album, basically. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. The got reunion you. tour was in 2012. Yeah. And the last show of that tour was at Bogart's on New Year's Eve, um, and then we did a South by Southwest show. And at that at that time, we talked about. Making another record and doing a tour, we wanted to because play. It, things were going well. Yeah, well, we had a good time playing, and we yeah. wanted to keep playing, but we didn't want to go like do. You know, we all felt like the reunion tour card was one that you can play. You can play once, it once. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unless you break up again and then get back together. <laughs> well, Josiah, you were at that South by
2: show, right? That's a plan. Absolutely, okay, it's great, cool. Um, and that that new album is dope, man. I Thanks. really like it. Yeah, like I, I, it's a lot of fun to play too. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, like, I feel like it has a little more, like, sensitivity or something than the earlier stuff. There's a little more, like, I don't know, more melodicism or something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, not, I'm not really a songwriter myself, but I, I'm sure that, you know, um, I know that Greg in, in his life has sort of, you know, gotten more confident as a songwriter. Yeah. And, and um is more willing to explore other uh, ideas and and ways of going at songs. Yeah. I think he's got more like tools in his tool bag than than he did you know twenty years ago or whatever. How how, how has that worked? Um, you know, I
2: guess now and then back in the day too. Like, does he bring a song to you guys and then you you flesh it out or or how does that the process tend to work?
0: On the new record, on the most recent record, it was all stuff that he had already demoed to some degree. Some of the demos were advanced enough that we just imported them into Pro Tools and built on them. I see. Other ones were, you know, 30-, 60-second sketches on the iPhone. Right. Um, that you had to jam out, kind of? Yeah, we would just – we hooked it up to a PA in the studio, and we'd listen to it and kind of learn it, and then just, hey, let's go from here. What would be an, another good part? Um, and uh, and it was cool. We, we basically – did, like, one song a day. Okay. Um, recorded as far one as basic, song a day? Yeah, as far as basic tracks go. Oh, wow. Like, fleshed it out and recorded it. I mean, there were a few that we had to go back and redo after yeah. we had some time to listen to it, but but I would say that's a pretty fair average. Like, long days? Like, like just con- a concentrated period of time where you're like, okay, yeah, let's go? you know, like 10 hours. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Probably, you know, at least half of that actually in the studio working. Right. What's the other half? you know, watching TV and talking about it, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, thinking yeah. <laughs> about what carry out we're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going to buy Whippets.
2: <laughs> right, right. Really? Yeah. This this at this old age? Um what and you do it out, did you do it out there or here?
0: We did we did it mostly in California. Yeah. Um, although we did do uh, a week here. Um You're here in this room, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a, a lot of the so that was like basic tracking. And then a lot of the, um, overdubs and mixing were done in California, New Orleans. Okay. And when, I mean, when you do it here in your studio, like,
2: I assume you, you, you have an engineer here or do yeah, you do it
0: I, I actually did it myself. You did it yourself. Yeah, okay. The, the, ideally I would have an engineer yeah. for that, but the guy that that we'd worked with before and that I would choose for that, couldn't do it. I see. And, um, at that point it was just easier to do it myself. I thought. Right. How does that feel Where it's two heavy? Incredibly stressful. (laughs) Like uh, I, 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 you know, it was hard. It's not something that I would choose to do again. Yeah. 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 I'd plan a little better next time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I would just think that that, I mean, we, we're going through a period where we're trying to do different. We're trying to record at home and stuff like that, and it's. Like, we're just trying to reconfigure everything in a way, and w- work out how we
0: play and write,
2: I guess, or arrange stuff. So yeah,
0: yeah. I um, the way the Wigs record, um, it, you really do need like a full time engineer. It's, right. It's very. It can be very fast moving, and and there's a lot of stuff to respond to and, yeah. and react to, and as a player and as an engineer, and when you try to do both, it's it's just really really hard, and and this would be true of of any band I've tried to play and record in. It's just I feel like I I that both sides get a shorter stick than yeah. than I would like to give them,
2: yeah definitely definitely i I can see that and and is there a a producer on sessions or or greg is a producer greg produces okay so he kind of calls the shots in terms of what's going on
0: yeah he kind of sets the direction and and i think has a a, in some cases a really detailed picture of what the final thing's going to look like okay um i think actually in most if not all cases and he's fast as hell Sounds like you know when he's chasing something, yeah, it goes yeah. really fast. But when he's waiting for inspiration to strike, you know, then then we're like hanging around watching Sports Center and doing right. other stuff. So, right. but you know, we learned a long time ago, you know, that, that you kind of have to be at the studio. It's a different process of, of writing songs and stuff, as I'm sure you guys know. Than than like going to the practice space and knocking out songs and you know playing them at live shows and stuff. We, it doesn't really logistics kind of prevent us from working that way, which is the way we started out. But now... Just because you're in different places. Because we're in different places. So now, you know, we book studio time. We go to the studio and, and we hang out there. And if, you know, if it's if it's a a day where lots of stuff's happening, great. But if it's not, you know, you kind of have to be at the studio... Um, you know, inspiration may or may not strike, but if it strikes and you're, you know, somewhere else, then it's gone. Right. So you sort of have to make the commitment to be there and make yourself available to it. Um, I feel that, yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's
2: how most, like, big, big acts that can throw money at studios
0: seem to do, how they seem to do it, from my experience. I think you just get to the point where that's... That's the way that it makes the most sense right. to work. Even um, even write, just writing in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Greg writes a lot of stuff. He writes some stuff in the studio, but he, you know, like he had a pretty extensive iPhone library of yeah. riffs and little things and lyrical ideas. And um, so, you know, he's, he's definitely uh, waiting for, you know, inspiration to strike and sure. – and, is uh ready to grab it when it does was it pretty smooth recording the the new album yeah it was you know especially compared to to other ones it went really quick and what do you attribute that to i think i would attribute it to um you know having a, a large amount of material to to dig into but also the the people involved um It was a really good combination of of people that could all operate well in that kind of environment. Yeah. Um, Come up with parts quickly, learn parts quickly, play parts quickly, change parts quickly. Right. And, um, you know, everybody had a good attitude as far as – it can be hard sometimes because when you're working with new stuff that you're kind of making up on the spot, um, you might come up with a part that's really good. And then two hours later, it doesn't work anymore. Right. And you really kind of have to be willing to just let it go. Just because the, the song is shifted, yeah, somehow. yeah, yeah, something's changed, yeah. and all of a sudden that you know that great bass line or or you know melody line or whatever doesn't work in the new key or the new scale or whatever. So. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, well, let, let's Can I ask a
1: question. Yes, yes, please. So, what do you think the benefit is of working out the songs in the studio as opposed to? just renting a practice space for a lot cheaper than it would be to rent a studio and then working them all out and then bringing it into the studio later. I mean, do you think there's some benefit to being able to record it as you're going?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, we did actually rent a practice space um, and work out the stuff that was, that was most worked out. We worked out at the practice space. So when we walked in the door of the studio, we had been rehearsing for like a week and had, you know, five or six songs that we were ready to lay down right away. Um, just as an initial something to that initial that yeah initially. just to so we walked in the door with stuff we could do right away, yeah. um and then from there, then we kind of went into the you know listening to the iphone riffs and and importing other songs and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but definitely the the first few days were the kind of old school approach, mm-hmm. but again, you know, a couple of the guys live in New Orleans, one of the guys lives in New Jersey, I live here in Cincinnati um you know Greg lives in LA so it, it you know any any time we get together it's there's a fair amount of planning and airplane flights and yeah and that kind of stuff involved do you you know I've never written in this studio it sounds so appealing
1: like do you feel like you get fresher results writing right there as you're recording as opposed to writing a few days before and then having it all ready and then bring it to the studio trying to recreate it is there something to like writing in the studio that gives you I mean, I guess I'm, I'm prompting you as a, a lawyer would, I'm not supposed to do that,
0: but. Well, I mean, like, like I said, I'm not really a writer, so I can tell you from my experience.
1: But even writing base roofs, like as opposed to like, oh, you figure this out. And a few days later you have to recreate it as opposed to like, oh, this is it right here. And it's always fresh when you first get something.
0: Yeah, and it's it's nice to be able to have the, the tape rolling or, you know, in this case, the computer running, mm-hmm. um, which is just endless amount of space. So you can go in and jam a song for two hours, and if you hit something that's cool, you can say, hey, drop a marker there. And then you can go back and spend, you know, a couple of minutes listening to stuff or maybe hack together a few pieces and, and form a demo from right there and then learn it. So it definitely has its benefits. I'm probably... I would put myself on the slower side of being able to to come up with what I feel like are my best bass parts. Um, I play a lot off the vocals um, and, you know, look for spaces in the other instruments. And a lot of times that stuff's not there yet when, when it's my turn to put my part down. You know, after the drummer, it's kind of like, you know, I I have to commit to something early on, so it it winds up writing in the studio winds up being more of a like staying out of the way exercise, and then so it's not necessarily ideal then to not f- ha- for me personally it, it, yeah it can I think it can work against me I mean yeah. I, I've always felt like like I wish after the tour I could go back and record all my bass parts because I feel like I've I've really like after playing it you know. 50 or 60 or 100, 100 times live, you know, I like, all the subtleties are worked out and I just, you know, I don't know. But it's so easy to be inside your own head with that stuff, too. I mean, so. there,
2: there are bands that do that. Like, I spoke to a guy from Animal Collective and they do that. Like, they on all their tours they don't play their stuff from the, their hit album that just came out they play all the shit that they're working on for the next album <laughs> you know what I mean
1: yeah I like that concept yeah I think yeah go ahead no this is the way you're talking about learning the way you approach the bass guitar is, is exactly like I would say your, your student Austin Brown who used to play in our band Oh yeah. he used to say the exact same thing he would say well i I follow the vocal, and then I pretty much just try to stay out of the way. of Right, right, and, and playing the. Spaces. But he was so tasteful; like yeah, yeah, he would yeah. always. He, he definitely he talked about you all the time. He's like Curly's. He's my mentor. Yeah, like my well, bass well, mentor. well, that's nice. The spaces that he chose were always very, very. tasteful. Yeah, he would yeah. say the same thing. He was great. I love Austin. Yeah, Austin's a great,
0: Austin's great. A great musician and and yeah. very tasteful with his playing and and very, um, you know. Sometimes to a fault, staying out of the way. Sometimes you just want him to, like, stomp on a pedal and rip something. And Mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, and he's just strumming away. (laughs) Right. Staying out of the way. (laughs) That crooked smile. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm not going to step on anybody's (laughs) toes. Yeah. yeah. I'll let you guys do that. But
0: it was, you know, playing in a band with him and Joe, it was cool because there was, uh, both of those guys are like that. And, you know, I, I sort of, you know, I got to play a lot more busy and, right. Indulge the overplaying side of me Mm -hmm. a little bit, and Mm -hmm. some of those recordings I go back and listen to, and it's just like, wow, I wish somebody had kind of taken me aside and told me to tone it down a little. But other times, it's I I really like it, and you know, someone will step up and fill the space. I think that's a given. Mm -hmm. This is staggering statistics, yeah. Yeah. For people that in the
1: audience that want to, I saw you guys only once, of course, after not not in your heyday but when you guys played at Motor a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was great. I love. it. Yeah, that, that was show. great. Thanks, so good.
0: And that was really those were all songs that Austin wrote post-staggering statistics yeah. except for maybe one. More of the high heel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Cool. Well, l- l- let's go back and uh talk about your youth a bit and and like how you how you came up and wh- how you started playing and and playing in bands and stuff like that were you like a punker as a kid or something
0: no not really i say
2: that because of your age i guess in a way just yeah
0: well i definitely remember like uh, so i grew up in the suburbs outside of washington dc in bethesda maryland and when i was in high school the the what became the DC hardcore scene was just starting out. And my friend who lived across the street from me... You look a little bit like Henry Rollins, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get that, actually. So, you know, used to get Chuck Cleaver. Now I get Henry Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> out <Now> you're cut. <laughs> so the um, the punk scene was kind of happening. My friend that lived across the street from me, Ken, was a drummer, and and he had been playing for a few years, ahead of me um and was already out going to shows and stuff like that and i remember like he came home and he had shaved his head and was straight edge all of a sudden right um it, at least in spirit if not As practice style um yeah. but that was the first time i heard like minor threat and got my introduction to all the dc bands and stuff um but i don't know i, I mostly listened to like A.M. pop radio and classic rock radio. Growing up, I I wasn't really part of any kind of music scene, and honestly, until I moved to Cincinnati after college, um, never really seriously entertained the idea of playing original music. Okay. Um, although you know, I would get together with people all the time and, and jam and just play for fun and stuff. And, and you pl- you played bass back then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Always. Where did you studying college? Journalism. Photojournalism down down there, at University of Maryland. Yeah. Okay. And what what the hell brought you here? An internship at the Cincinnati Enquirer for photography. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which turned into a job. Okay. So, so
2: you, and you did you you so you were a photographer for them for for some years, like eight years. Yeah. Okay.
0: In the eighties, from eighty five to ninety three. Okay. Okay. Around the time that um, Gentleman came out. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I sort of had to choose one or the other. Because things were getting big at that point. Yeah, yeah. and, um, you know, it wasn't a difficult choice. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it never <so>. is <laughs> in that <laughs> scenario. Yeah, if it's a difficult choice, maybe you should think about choosing the other one, I yeah. guess. Right, exactly. Um, but no, I just, I remember hearing The Who on the radio. The Who were coming to um, DC to play um, because that... Um, the concert in Cincinnati had happened where those people died, mm-hmm. and Providence, Rhode Island canceled the Who show, so they came back to D.C., and I got to go see them, um, but I, they had like an hour-long Who special on the radio, and I used to just tape stuff off the radio on cassettes, and I had this cassette of the thing, and I remember hearing The Punk Meets the Godfather, and like just... That's a song, the, yeah. Okay. So off Quadrophenia. Okay. And um, hearing the bass on it, and just I don't know, something in me clicked, and that was that was. I mean, like very specifically, that was the moment where I kind of went. That's what I want to do. That's the instrument I want to yeah. play. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And
2: how? So you're here, and you're what, like 20, 22, 23 years old when you moved here? Yeah. Okay. When when did you get in? Started
0: getting into bands here? Almost immediately Okay I I was always looking for people to play with um, And so I moved here, I had a job One of the first things First thing I bought was a car stereo And then the second thing I bought was a four track Okay And um, so started looking for people to make four track recordings with And, um, and met Rick McCollum Who was the original guitar player in the Wigs And Greg um, Dave Davis, who I still work with um, and and started going to shows and going to see those guys. Greg was in a band called the Black Republicans, okay, um, which was kind of a you know punk slash rock band that played up in Coryville, and uh, went to go see those guys. And their bass player left to go to college, and I talked my way into his spot. And what did what did it sound like at that time? Like real heavy or, or... Uh, it, heavy? I don't you know not heavy like metal heavy but right. but loud and right. you know um you know like so 20 year old kids with related guitar to artists, hardcore you know? in a way or no inspired by okay. i don't think any of us were were like good enough technical musicians to play hardcore right right um but that there was definitely an inspiration of that and of kind of like classic rock and um the velvet underground velvet underground was an important band because that was the first band where I realized like you didn't have to be a technically great musician to make really inspiring, great music. Right. Right. Um, which was a revelation for me. That is a revelation when you realize that that was something that for me,
2: it came through hip hop. I think where I was like, okay, these guys are just figuring their shit out. Like they're, yeah. Yeah. But, but that's, that's something I think as, as a, uh, as someone who doesn't aspire to be virtuosic or whatever, that, can be very
0: inspiring to, to, to realize. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was kind of probably punk more in its attitude than its actual sound. Right. Right. Um, wh- where did you live at that time? Are, are, were you, I lived right off Vine street near Bogarts. Okay. So Coryville, and that was, was it Coryville, like hopping at that time? You guys play at Sudsies a lot? We there? used to play at Sudsies a lot, and there was a place called JR's, which was where the, the Wings place is mm-hmm. now on the corner of uh, Charlton and um and Vine. And they used to have bands there, kind of a you know, classic Cincinnati neighborhood hole in the wall bar, but lots of great original bands. And at that time, this was like eighty five ish, um, eighty six. Like there was there weren't a lot of places for original bands to play. It was a lot of cover bands and um, bar rock and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So on Short Vine, you know, you had JRs, and then if you were a little better and could control your volume uh, in a reasonable way, they might let you play at Daniels. Okay. Daniel's so, um, so, and you had a four track at the time, and you were recording,
2: kind of documenting what you guys are working on and writing and stuff?
0: Yeah, it was. I, I was interested in engineering and was... Interested in, in making recordings. What and got stuff. you interested in that? I don't know. I think it just I've always liked machines and gear. Okay. And um. And the the idea of like creating art with machines, right? Whether it's a camera or um, you know, a recording studio or a four track or whatever.
2: What What was the progression from from, uh, you know, the first four track you got to owning
0: this like state-of-the-art studio (laughs) um I think all right so I got a four track kind of a cheap one then I got a little bit of a better one then I got an eight track reel-to-reel quarter inch and it was a package deal that I bought at the music store it had a a 16 channel board an eight track reel-to-reel and that was like my first real recording thing okay bought a few microphones and then and you just kind of figured each each thing out as you got it as you went. Yeah, tried to. Okay. Um, I remember trying to record the wigs like early on in our. We were practicing in my basement at that time. I had moved down to Camp Washington, um, where we are now. Right. Um, but a few blocks away, and recorded the band. And I remember sitting there listening to it, thinking like, "Why doesn't this sound like this stuff on the radio? You know, it just it sounded like." You know, a bunch of people bashing around in the basement. Right. And, um, you know, the song was there for sure, but, like, I couldn't figure out why the sound wasn't there. And it took me a long time to kind of understand the difference between just recording something and, and actually making a recording. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out, but... did Did you... Study it anywhere. Like, did you get books about
2: it or anything like that?
0: I've read some books, read some magazines, watched other people. Um, I would say my my biggest education was when um, when the Wigs got to go to another studio to record. We went out to Seattle and recorded with Jack Endino. Okay. um, At Reciprocal Recording. When you got a deal with Sub Pop. Yeah. Okay. And so we recorded the album up in it there. I think in seven or eight days, basically just went in, played our live show, overdubbed the vocal and mixed it. Okay. And that was that. It was eight tracks um, on tape. But watching Jack work, um, not only just what he did, but how he worked and how he kind of, uh, you know, his vibe and stuff like that, that was that was a big learning experience. And then later when we got signed to Elektra, we went to Memphis and recorded at Ardent and um, to this day, still one of the finest recording studios I've, I've ever seen or worked in. Um, not just in terms of like the gear and the rooms, but the attitude, their whole like sort of. What is the vibe that you that you're referring to? Just that you're that you're there to like serve the artists and serve the songs, and you know how uh, you know just like. When you would record at both of those places, you were just comfortable. You could go in and you could do your thing and it wasn't – it was easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just trying to – I think the secret – to making good recordings in a big way is just like having a good vibe to where you walk in and you're comfortable and you can just start going about your thing and you don't notice the recording going on. Right. And as, as an artist,
2: a good engineer kind of is like a, like a child from the
0: 18th century. They just, they stay, yeah. <laughs> they speak when they're spoken to. and. <laughs> sure. Or, you know, knowing when to speak and when not to speak yeah. and what to say and how to say it. Those are important things. Right. Um And they, and, and they, just take care
2: of business kind of behind the scenes almost so you don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. You don't,
0: you know, I mean, some artists want to know every little thing, but others just want to play. and, And the more like you can make the session like what they're used to. So in my case, it would be, you know, let people stand by their amps, put everybody in the same room. If you take a band that's used to playing in the same room and playing on the same stage live and, separate all the amps and make everybody put on headphones and be in different rooms and stuff, it's probably not going to happen. Right, it's going to weird them out. Yeah. And um, so, you know, rather than trying to mold the, the band or the artist to the studio, you know, find out what they like and try to, you know, mold the studio to that. So
2: you'll, as an as an engineer or producer, you'll sacrifice some sound quality or whatever for the for the feel of the recording sometimes?
0: To a certain point, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know... I, you could go back through history and some of the greatest songs and greatest performances are shitty recordings. Absolutely. I would way rather have a great performance, you know, with an average mic than like an average performance recorded, you know, at Carnegie Hall. Sure, sure. Um, so there you go. So I, I wouldn't necessarily use the word sacrifice as maybe, I don't know, compromise or right. balance. Right. Um
2: how do you feel a band out? Like if you have a new band come in here, how do you kind of feel them
0: out to see where you're going to go with them? I think over time, I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm one of those engineers or producers that can take any kind of music and work with it. I have kind of a comfort zone that is basically like bass, drums, guitar, vocals, you know, the, the classic sort of mm-hmm. rock band approach. Um, I feel like that's something that I, that I know and that I can, you know, bring some value to as an engineer, as a producer. So, um, you know, these days when you can go on somebody's YouTube page or Facebook and listen to what they sound like and get an idea for it. So it's easier, but I don't know, you know, over a telephone conversation, I feel like I can tell if, if something's going to be a good fit, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and then over time, I've wound up working with a lot of the same people, so right um, that helps too. Do you get? Are there a lot of people uh, trying to come up in here in Cincinnati? I wouldn't say a lot. Yeah, um, I don't advertise or anything. It's kind of word of mouth, and mm-hmm. um, it's you know it's a commercial studio in that anybody can come in and record, but. You know we don't really advertise or, or try to fill every single hour with whatever we can. Right. Um, I've tried that before, and it's miserable, and it turns yeah. the whole thing into a bummer. And yep. I just don't want to. I remember recording in places as a kid um, where you just knew that the engineer was only there because you were paying them by the hour. Yeah. They didn't give a shit about what you sounded like. You know that all they were interested in was you know, making you spend more time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just never wanted to be that. Yeah. And I think sadly the economics of it are such that uh, unless you're willing to do that to some degree, you're probably going to be break even at best. Right. Um, Cincinnati, thankfully, is an easy city to break even in because the cost of living is. Yeah, you low, probably so. have
2: a fairly low yeah monthly yeah your, yeah your, your yeah. Training. I mean,
0: I I don't think I could have a room like this um, anywhere else. Yeah, and um, you know, over time, just you know, the gear kind of builds up. Um, to go out and just buy everything and build a building or a retrofit a building to to do a studio, you're probably never going to make your money back. Right right um shifting gears a little bit so
2: things started to pop off on gentleman is that kind of when
0: yeah i would say before gentleman um probably during congregation which was the last uh, full length album we did on sub pop okay and, and gentleman was the first one on Elektra yeah okay and and during the the time in between that um nirvana had released Nevermind, and everything changed.
2: Yeah. So people were more receptive to to the that kind of sound, so to speak.
0: I th- yeah, I mean, I think people were more receptive to it, and more importantly, like, every major label wanted to sign, you know, a band from Seattle. Right. Um, even if you were a band from Cincinnati, whose label happened to be in, in Seattle. <laughs> right, so, they didn't know, they didn't yeah, care. They, they well, they really what knew. was it
2: like, here's a question, like, all you guys were, I mean, not necessarily from Cincinnati, but... You all lived here at the inception of the band, right? Right. So what? What's what was it like being a band from a like a small ish Midwest town? Um, you know, get, getting more uh, doing doing better in the in the music's industry and stuff like that. Was it kind of weird to like come back here to this town where you know it almost seems you know you go out on tour and you're doing all this big stuff. And then you come back to us. Was it good or or felt
0: weird or what? Uh, I mean, yeah, for me, it's great. Um, and, uh, I've never, I mean, it's weird to go from being on tour to being at home. I think wherever you live, they're two kind of different worlds. Absolutely. (laughs) And, um, but this is a great place to, to be from. It was a great place to, um, To start a band, the cost of living is low. There are plenty of places to play, plenty of places to practice, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you're within a day's drive of, of a lot of big cities. So, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, a couple hours drive of a lot of other comparable cities. So it's, it's really a great place to, uh, to kind of get it together and, Mm -hmm. um, develop your thing. So, um. I don't know. I think we always kind of liked the outsider status Mm -hmm. that being from a place like Cincinnati gives you. Right. Um, I think it's, you know, it's interesting to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And what,
2: like, all those years where where the wigs weren't active,
0: what, what was your main thing, just working in here pretty much? My main thing was being a dad. Okay. Um, we have two daughters and, uh. And then I worked in here part-time and, and played music part-time mostly for fun. Yeah. Um, continued to do the same stuff, but just not at the same intensity level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Um, how did it feel getting back together in 2012, or like what? Or how did that conversation
0: start happening? I think the, the beginning of it um, happened in 2011. Greg did a, a solo acoustic tour Um, with Rick Nelson and Dave Rosser who were in the gutter twins and the twilight singers. Um, and they came through Cincinnati and I got up and played some Afghan wig songs with them. Some of those songs we hadn't played, or I know Greg hadn't played since the wigs broke up. Um, certainly we hadn't played them together and then went to Chicago the next night with them. And, um, He asked me if I would come out and play the shows on the West Coast at the end of the tour, and I did that. And the whole thing was really fun, and I I definitely think the seed got planted at that point. And then that was in the winter, and then in the summer I went out to California to visit those guys. And um, you I just remember going out to lunch, and and we kind of started talking about it. We had talked about it before, but sort of in the abstract, and this particular conversation – you know was a little more uh real Mm -hmm. more you know there was a little more gravity to it Mm -hmm. so that was sort of the beginning of it um how did that feel when when you
2: first started to entertain the idea was it like i was a little apprehensive about it yeah um and just because you had your routine you had your life
0: yeah i'd kind of moved on from it and and um you know, up until I played with, with Greg on the acoustic tour, um, you know, I, I tended to remember a lot of the harder things about it and, and the, the less positive things. Which were what? Just being away from home and, and just the grind of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, How many years have gone by? What year did you guys break up? We broke up in 2000. Okay. So like over 10 years. Yeah. And the, yeah, it was 11 years. Um and, um, yeah, I don't know. I just – I, I kind of remembered a lot of the things that that I didn't like about it. Um,
2: was it – when you broke up, was there animosity between the band or was it just kind of like – No, no. Things fizzled?
0: Yeah, it kind of fizzled. And like,
2: you, like in terms of your popularity as well, did it feel like
0: – No, the popularity was – it wasn't so much that. I think we were living in different places, I think – creatively we had just kind of it had run its course i think greg had already done a twilight singer's record i think he was kind of moving in a different direction and we had just had a baby and the idea of going on tour and you know not missing first steps first mm-hmm. words stuff like that i just I, I couldn't even comprehend that right that wasn't the kind of parent or right you know you know I wanted to be around for all that stuff so you know a big part of what changed for me was my children were old enough that they could you know that I could leave for a little while and still it wasn't going to be quite the back. hardship yeah you know <laughs> yeah. and I mean it's still hard to miss things yeah. um, but uh, you know they can also come and see shows and hang out backstage and yeah do they like um, that? oh yeah they love it yeah yeah it's sort of like I, – I, I remember like being a kid and my parents would have parties and you know around like 11 at night, everybody had, had a few drinks. So they kind of forgot the kids were around and right. began to speak openly in a way that right, they not right. usually do in and front of the kids. Start, you and, see things that yeah, – Yeah, yeah. And I think they – that's like the version of that that, that they're getting. Yeah. So mm. it's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah so you know having that experience with Greg in two thousand eleven reminded me of all the things all the good things about it mm-hmm. and how much I liked it and how how important music was to me in my life and stuff and um and so that was it was that was the beginning of of it for me and and for him too to you know as we've talked about it and I've heard him say in interviews and stuff like that um and then we got an offer to play the Altamara's Parties Festival. And I don't know, everything just sort of came together at that, that point. Was that the
2: first sort of offer, the live offer that you're like, okay, well, let's get it together. Yeah, this. we
0: had had them in the past and just I, weren't ready for whatever reason. Um, but this time around, it felt like maybe we should entertain the idea a little more seriously. Yeah. And um, I think Greg's mind was already made up. I was okay. a, I was kind of on the fence, and he had to work on me for a couple months to okay. kind of convince me. So what about me? the
2: rest of the band? They were good with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and you you uh, was that when you went to that like uh, Siberian Rocky training camp and uh, got got into the, <laughs> the the man the the physique of the man that we see before us
0: today. The you know so yeah, Greg kind of got on it a little bit before me. And, he, did, he
2: did the same thing?
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, just in talking to him and stuff. And I knew, like, what going on tour was going to be like. And I knew I, I was if I was really going to enjoy it. I, I wanted to approach it with, you know, to try to get my head in the right place and, and go back. And, like, it's a second chance, you know. So I was talking before about, like, remembering the things that that I didn't like about it. I wanted to really focus on the things that I liked about it. I really wanted to enjoy it and, mm-hmm. and have it, you know, look at it as an opportunity and, and just get the most out of it that I possibly could. And I figured like, if I could get myself a little healthier, that, that would help me do that. Yeah. Um, and also knew I was going to get my picture taken a bunch and I, you know, I didn't want to <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't want to look at that guy anyway in life. I mean, yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. You get older. It's like for sure.
1: You know?
2: This was just a reason, I guess. It was a good excuse. You know, it was a, mean, yeah. it was a it.
0: bunch of stuff that all kind of came together at once. It was, you know, it was an opportunity. And um, what did you? Well, so, what were your life changes? Dietary, workout? Yeah, I mean, what, yeah, what, what I you
1: mean
2: look, for those who don't know, he lost about two hundred and sixty <laughs> pounds and <laughs> and gained a bunch of muscle. No, and, I mean, uh, you,
1: you did it pretty quick. I, I feel like... I, know, did I did not it recognize you. It wasn't quick I did not recognize you. It wasn't quick. Okay.
2: I, I did not see you during the time that you were doing this I guess, and I did not know, recognize you. We spent
1: you. a couple of years not seeing each other. Yeah. After our, the last time we had... You know, we, we had only met maybe, what, 2008, eight nine, Whatever that was when Austin was in our band and we, we came here... And you here guys played at the Southgate house. Yeah. it was
0: the first time that...
1: 2008, then. I had seen you guys, yeah.
0: heard your music, met you. Yeah, that's when we first met.
1: Yeah. And uh, then I saw you... Throughout those couple next years, and then we must have
0: spent some years where I didn't see. Well, it. I think you guys were on tour for like. We were on two tour years. for a while. That's too. right. Yeah. So anyway, I interrupted. So yeah, what 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 did you do? I'm just curious. Um, What's your routine? I, so stop eating fast food. Mm-hmm. Stop drinking. Um, started exercising. You stopped drinking altogether. Yeah. After you know, cut down and then just basically stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a longer process, but. I think it seems like it It was faster because, you know, the first four to six months that you do it, you, really nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And then it starts to happen quickly. Okay. I think that's why a lot of people give up after a couple weeks or a couple months because cause it's just like, what am I doing this for? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I Greg encouraged me. I could see – that you know it was making a difference for him and he basically told me like he just have to stay after it did he do a similar kind of routine Is it a similar
2: kind of thing yes and d- it, did you guys like read about the best ways to get in shape or was it just kind of like alright yeah. I know these things that I do are shitty and I'm gonna not do them I
0: definitely cut out the stuff that I knew that was shitty yeah um That was easy. Yeah. Because, you know, there's pretty much universal agreement as to what shit is. (laughs) Right. Was it easy to quit fast food and shit?
2: Like, um.
0: Or was it, or does it
2: be, is it something that's like, you know what? It's easy now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely. It's habits, too. It's like leaving here at two in the morning and, you know, stopping to get a burger on the way home. Right. Right. So. You crave.
2: Yeah, I mean, and now I'm, you you bring like a Tupperware of quinoa and whatever.
0: <laughs> I'm growing my own, and yeah, at the end of my bunk. Um, yeah, huh. the smell is a little offensive. <laughs> Sprouting random things, yeah, mung beans, yeah. No, I don't know. Um, it's honestly like all the stuff that they say to do is what you do but it's just it's it takes forever and it's a drag
2: how how much like how much do you have to exercise how little do you have to eat that kind of
0: thing i'm still trying to figure it out yeah you know i i i I don't know what my it's different for every person that's true so it's easy to cut the bad stuff because you know what's bad but then you have to figure out like what works best for you in the other direction um you know, how you motivate yourself to exercise when you don't feel like it. And, mm-hmm. um, it definitely gets easier. You know, the first, the first six months to a year, it's hard. And then you realize that you've formed new habits and it gets a little easier.
2: And the reward is, is very rewarding. Like you feel really good, yeah. I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you lift weights?
1: Per- Sometimes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to figure out my own routine as we all are. And, uh, you know, I, I have, Tennis elbow, so it's difficult. I'm supposed to strengthen the area. I, but yeah, trying to strengthen it can, can put strain. You on You have tennis right? elbow as
2: well. Yeah, I mm-hmm. get I get golfer's elbow, which is the other side. The, I got both.
0: You have both. Yeah. With, oh shit. With which arm? Or both? With mostly my left arm. Me too. is my left arm. So, and Why I think it comes. I think That's it comes your, from playing. Yeah, it's I'm just, sure. This arm is crooked. Oh, yeah. This mm-hmm. yeah. Forever. Yeah. So, you know, it, I definitely can feel. You know. Do you find the weight training helps it or does it irritate it? It helps it. Okay. But you got to do it right. That's you the know, thing. If you, yeah. if you, like and, light weights? At first. Yeah. You have to be patient. All the stuff, you just really have to be patient and just trust in the process. And I think if you haven't done it before, like maybe spending a few bucks to get a trainer to help you once in a while makes do a Did you do that difference. sometimes? I did, yeah. Yeah. That's probably what I need to do. Man, I didn't know how to exercise. I had never done it. I didn't play sports i didn't I literally did not know how to exercise and i and I knew that I would hurt myself and probably give up. so I sort of looked at it like you know if I were going to learn to do something new, how would I go about it? You know if I were going to learn to play drums, I would get a drum teacher right you know I would call learn. Me. i yeah, it's exactly who I would call. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I could afford you, but no, I'm cheap. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I just like that makes sense, approached man. it analytically, and yeah, like you know, that. was was lucky that it all worked out. So mm-hmm. cool, man. Yeah, I
2: I, I try to. Uh, well, you're in great shape. Well, I, I'm, I'm not in great shape, but it, it's it's become a very very uh, big part of my life to just because, for me it relates to my mental health too. like absolutely if I if I exercise and eat eat well, like I I can stay feeling good as a human, you know what I mean? And, and stay working and, and, and focused and all that. If I don't,
0: I I feel shitty. You know what I mean? I can't do shit. Yeah. I, you know, my anxiety level has gone down and just, you know, all the stuff that, that they say all turns out to be true. Yeah. It just, it takes a long time and you just, you know, all the stuff that's that's hardest. Just it's mostly what's hard about it is that you just have to be patient. Yeah, and and not just exercise, but like anything, right? Anything that you want to change. Oh, that's so true. I, I give up easily on on exercises. Is yeah, that, I think in our yeah. culture we're sort of encouraged to to mm-hmm. give up on stuff that's not immediate and easy. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: what do you think when you look back on old pictures of yourself that when you're bigger and more out of shape and stuff like? Is it, is it like do you? <laughs> How does that strike you? I try
1: not to look at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. You know, I, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I. You had a nice, nice thing going on then. A different. You weren't as healthy, but I, I liked your bearded look. You, you were more kind of uh, well, a beard gives someone a different look. Oh, he's yeah. a jolly guy. He's yeah. a jolly. Yeah, <laughs> a big guy with a beard is a jolly kind of look. Now you're a little more chiseled. You know, look, a No, Now I'm
0: actually jolly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're actually, yeah you're exactly.
1: Jolly That's now. exactly right. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I don't know. You know, there's a certain freedom in eating whatever you want and drinking as much as you want. And, sure. You know.
1: Yeah, I guess. I'd probably drink too much. I, I, don't, I can't eat whatever I want. I, I, that's why I'm thin As I definitely have to stick to certain foods just because my system won't accept
0: others. Um, okay. Yeah, I never had that problem. Yeah. You I, could eat I wish I had that problem. Yeah
2: yeah see that's that's where I'm at too is is my system kind of regulates like i i will just get i'll get sick real fast if i yeah if I go the wrong direction so it's kinda it's kind of been good for me in a way to have to, to keep me on the straight and narrow you know
1: what i mean like yeah well you've you've obviously been doing something yes yeah, since yeah you, you saw him when he was do pretty, i look different oh yeah 'cause
2: oh yeah you came to our oh, show
1: when it, he was pretty sick. Okay. Our, you've been to a few of our shows, but uh, yeah, you know, you've seen him in different states, and you probably noticed it more than me because I see him all the time. Right. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I definitely
0: noticed it at midpoint. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. I uh, yeah, well, you were
2: very anemic. Is what it was. Yeah, I, I've been kind of sick at different times, but yeah, right now I'm yeah I'm just on this diet that uh, I stick to pretty pretty uh, strongly, and and uh, you know I do a lot of yoga and run sometimes and that's about it yeah. yeah just try to stay yoga's good it's ah, oh, it's the best donna i go to donna's
0: classes love her class we had yeah. donna brought us through some uh yoga band practices yep. fists of love nice. and um <laughs> and i knew I, I mean i've known donna for a long time and then played in a band with her for like two years before i ever saw her do a yoga pose okay and, oh, she's it, man. She's the best. Yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy what she can do. Yeah, she's so unassuming and stuff. And then she, you know, does this just you know poses that I know just require incredible amounts of strength <laughs> yeah. and balance. And you're just like, exactly. holy shit!
2: She'll demo stuff in class, it's like, so what you want
1: to do is just this. Like, what the
2: fuck? How did you do that? She doesn't
1: like, strike you as that kind of person. She, no. she doesn't have the physical appearance of someone who would be. You know, she wears kind of loose clothes, like when you right. see her on the street. I've never seen her do yoga. Sure, yeah. So she doesn't, you know, have the typical super slender I remember the yoga. first time she
0: did it, me and me and Chris and Cedric were, I think, you know, we've been drinking tequila all night. It was, the practice had gone down the drain at that point. And Donna's like, we started asking her about it. Or somehow the subject came up and she started just basically doing a demonstration for us. And, um... Yeah, it was impressive. I need, yeah. to go, I need to go
2: to her class. Oh yeah, you sh- totally should. It's so, it's so mellow too. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's a good. It's a good vibe there. Yeah. Um. Well, I on another, we'll wrap up in a minute. But on another subject, just I'm curious about what it feels like. And again, going back to to, go you know taking those years off and coming back to it at um, an older age, like what it feels like at your age. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying you're old as hell or anything like that. Because we're all, uh, you know, I feel like we're all in a similar age bracket to
1: an extent. You may be a little older. I think that let me just interrupt for a second. I was just thinking about this a couple of days ago. No matter what age you are, you always feel like you're you're kind of old because the reason you're is, always older than you ever were. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're always older. Than you, you're always in new territory, and, right? And, and you you never expected to be there. Like, shit, I'm thirty. You know, and I'm not thirty, but right when you when you turn thirty, that's what you think right? When do
0: you, when do you turn thirty
1: <laughs> <laughs> soon <laughs> you know so at any point, you always feel like yeah, you're kinda get like you're getting up there like that makes sense and it's always kind of a not necessarily negative but a reality check so so it's it's but it's, it's
2: always in comparison to other people, and I it's guess. always in comparison what, what so what I'm saying is like okay at at you know twenty nine how does it feel like? Get, like he's not really twenty nine people. Uh, how does it feel like going back to work and being on in a, in a situation where most of the people that you're, most of the other bands are very young, in their twenties, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm.
1: We're kind of in the middle. You're we're like sort a, of in the you're middle a generation ahead of us. I don't
0: your... think that's as true necessarily as it used to be. Okay. I mean, if you think about it, rock and roll is basically like we're the third generation, maybe. And the guys that are the first generation are still playing in some cases. That's, you know, that's Chuck true. Barry Rolling and, Stones. I would say they're second generation. Second generation. Okay. But like – so – and the, you know, the fourth generation is coming up and maybe the fifth generation is – Are we in your generation still? I would say, yeah. Okay. okay. I mean probably. How wide I, I of generations are we doing? Like 10, 15 years. Okay. Yeah. I mean – I would say, like, we so the Rolling the Stones 2000s. were inspired by Chuck Berry. Absolutely. So that would make them second mm-hmm. generation. I was probably in bands that were inspired by the Rolling Stones. You guys are probably... I'm probably at the beginning end of that. You guys are probably right, at the right. other end of it. But so, I'm still
2: definitely inspired by that generation, yeah. Yeah,
0: we're both on the cusp. Yeah. But, like, you know, when I started playing music, you know, hip-hop hadn't happened yet. Right. Um, you guys have a lot more... Every successive band that forms has way more influences to draw upon. Mm-hmm. So like I look at a band like walk the moon that's playing like a combination of like disco and 80s synth pop and rock and roll and just like mashing it all together. And that's exciting to me.
2: Yeah. One of the other few successful c- Cincinnati bands to pop yeah. out of the city. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, we've had a few. We, we We've had a few. We tend to, you know, get a couple out every decade mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. which is good for a city this size yeah um, you know kind of in the middle of nowhere um yeah I don't know I mean like how do you, you I know, felt like I was always I felt like I was always younger than everybody until I felt like I was older than everybody uh, there was it was weird It just I, I, went from I, one dude, to the other
2: I feel that same thing actually I always felt like I was the young guy and I still am the young guy I guess within my circle though I don't think Feel like I don't think that's a prevalent thing anymore, but I know. don't really feel old ever
0: unless I'm trying to read something. You yeah, know, I can't read it, and then I'm that's more frustrating than anything else. Right. But like, I don't know, you know, getting healthier has made me feel, you know, makes me feel younger and not younger, but like just healthy, whatever. I mean, I think I felt worse like 20 years ago than I do now. Yeah. Um, and uh that's inspiring,
2: yeah, it is but but rock and roll is something that you know within it doesn't have to be this like drug addled irresponsible trashing the hotel room youth thing
0: no, it doesn't have to be, but everybody should probably go through <laughs> go that through at some that. point I mean but you, you feel know. like after
2: that you can you can you can come out of the ashes of the aftermath of that and and still. Yeah, that, that's still ring true because, like I said, that it's that, hard
0: to sustain that level right. of commitment.
2: You that know? new album, though, I feel like I haven't heard it hits the nail on the head, and like, and y'all are not in that stage, you know what I mean? So, it's like that. I don't think rock and roll has
0: to, it's like anything else, you know, you, you have to like evolve, and you can't be, you know, 30 and live like you're 20, and you can't be 40 and live like you're 30 and, and so on. Um, you just have to uh, have to evolve and have to figure out a way to embrace it, and you know not just be okay with it, but enjoy it. Yeah. Um. So I think you know, for creative people, you know, all those experiences that you have day in and day out, just living life, you know, that's that just enriches you. And you know, if you can bring that to um, to whatever kind of art you're doing it's probably going to make you a better artist. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have any
2: kind of uh, spiritual beliefs or credos or anything that kind of helps you along through life and creative life and, and, and family
0: life and everything? Do you have any like sort of backbone feelings? Yeah, I, I do. I don't know how well I could articulate that, um, and it wouldn't fall into any kind of um, easily definable uh, label or anything like that, but yeah, I w- I'm a spiritual person. Okay, and uh, Jehovah's Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Eighth Day Adventists We yeah. worship the Beatles. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wow.
1: Eight days a week.
2: Um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, but you have you have a certain something that you that you feel that guides you through. Try to explain it a little bit if you can.
0: Uh. I, guides me. I don't know. I'm trying to find my way. You know, but um, huh? That was a question I wasn't really prepared. <laughs> for yeah, That's all right. You know, I mean, I it's, mean, it, it's evolving. You know, yeah. I, um I'm just curious about how different people live and how they, you know. Yeah, I understand that. That's yeah. the, I. Do you do
1: any any sort of meditation? I mean, I guess yoga is 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 that? If you think about it,
0: you know, I'm kind of. I'm trying to do more. Meditation's really hard. I'm, it is. I've tried it and I'm trying it. And I I feel like the whole um, fitness thing has taught me that, that you can achieve things that seem impossible if you just kind of make yourself available to it. Like we were talking about earlier with just waiting for inspiration in the studio. Mm-hmm. The first step is making yourself available to it. It's right. just sort of – Yeah, like giving yourself over to the process and just trusting that if you keep doing this thing, something's going to happen eventually. That's right. And certainly there are enough people that say, you know, diet and exercise and, you know, or meditation and yoga, you know, it's – clearly it works. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. You know, meditation is hard though because like – I mean, after like a minute, I'm just like, oh, I gotta get my laundry. And, <laughs> right. You know, my I gotta take my car to the garage. And I guess you guys time do I have to work through so that up, stuff. Is that a know? truck backing up outside? Right. You know, I, I try.
1: I don't do it either. I, I I have tried it in the past when I when I was living alone, reading a lot of books. You know, it's hard to do when you have anyone else in your house. Yeah,
0: I I try to do it when there's no one else in the house, but it's like my mind is just you know constantly. Yeah.
2: I've tried to do it outside and like any little sound or little bug or a little, any like, yeah, I'm really easily to... distracted. Yeah.
0: So, Me too. but you know, I, I know other people who are easily just more easily distracted mm-hmm. who have been able to do it. I guess who they can do it. They would say so. that's the reason to do it. If you are easily distracted, I guess. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, it's on the list for sure. And, um, you know, I guess, like, if, um, as far as spiritual principles go, just trying to keep an open mind and, um, you'd be available for mm-hmm. for stuff. Um, I, you know, I feel like I take a little bit of stuff from everywhere. And, mm-hmm. um, and like exercise, you have to find what works for you. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I will probably be thinking about that question for a while because <laughs> well, now I'm sort of I agree with uh, what I, you're saying. like, yeah. all right, yeah. How would I define that? Yeah,
2: I mean, it, you know, it's not something that you have to define for other people. Obviously, it's
1: it's within your own life and your own, uh, you know, movement through. through what works for you is good. I mean, whatever yeah. opens you up and expands your horizons as far as how you see the things is
0: what it is yeah it can be different things to different people so and challenge yourself too um you know don't just find what works for you and stay there be open to to new things and find a level of of challenge that you're comfortable with and and try to maintain it Mm -hmm. i guess um you know you don't want to just plateau and stay there Mm -hmm. although it's sometimes you have to plateau and rest a little bit so oh, wow. yeah.
2: before you climb that mountain yeah. even farther
0: yeah well I, I think that's a good place to, to, to end
2: it I've been sitting here with John Curley Josiah Wolf at Ultra Sp- you have Josiah has something I, just to want, I have
1: one more thing to yeah, add yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I just wanted to say that well, I want to thank you and apologize not really apologize but for the same thing more of a thank you throughout the years and this is for both of us You you've kind of been a a guide to anything musical that we need in this city that's you, right you're the he's, guru he's for me like <laughs> we've been in these situations what are we supposed like, to do about oh, this call john crowley we need this. <laughs> all right <laughs> text john and, I, and i'll text other people too but you are always so kind and get back to me and give me a list of stuff and so many times you've steered me in the right direction to so whatever it is we need the, the, and in fact i have a to practice say practice space or a Engineer, the excuse
2: that that we're here today, other than the, the podcast, is that John is lending me
1: a, te- a test tape <laughs> exactly. for my eight track. So, exactly,
0: yeah, no, you've been always yeah. just very kind and it's really well, appreciated. Uh, thank you, it's yeah. a pleasure. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like people help me out and I'm just like returning the favor. Um, and uh, I you know, as far as like bands from Cincinnati go and just bands in general, I, I I think you guys are amazing and very inspiring and super nice people and um, you know have seen some of the best concerts I've seen have been you guys oh, thank you. Uh, that last uh, show at, at midpoint just blew my mind like I still think about it one. I like it was, that one too yeah and the, the lineup with that. the um, you know with Liz and uh, with two drummers and just it was it was incredible like so much so much sound but like it's like minimalist and overwhelming at the same time hmm. which is no small trick That's Great, yeah yeah wow thank you That's yeah a bit, so yeah.
1: cool
2: all right we're gonna get out of here and uh thanks for listening y'all say bye to these folks bye bye Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You're far too kind. Thanks for listening. The Wandering Wolf Podcast at gmail.com. You can donate to that via PayPal, and I hope you do. Uh, that makes a big difference to me in my life and the things that I do, running around, traveling, and whatnot, getting my hotel rooms. At Yoni Wolf on Twitter, Instagram, etc., etc., etc. Gosh, I can't wait to eat this. I'm going to eat this whole chicken. I'm going to eat a whole chicken, I feel like. Oh, my God. Goodness, Cincinnati, you are rainy. You're cold. There's a darkness over this city. I consider sometimes, you know, being elsewhere. But i uh, got a lot of loved ones here. It's hard to know what to do in this life, people. It's hard to know what to do in this life no answers. There's so just endless contemplative A's and B's. Choices in all directions. I'm going to wander on, y'all. And I hope you do the same. Keep wandering. that.